0: So we come to this portion of our psalm tonight. Uh, Remind you, we've been working our way through the psalms, been in Psalm 119 for a good while now, and we're coming to the end, almost there, only two weeks left after tonight. But since it's been a couple weeks, since we've actually been in the psalms, just a little refresher for you, Psalm 119 is really a prayer of meditation and a cry of help to God, and was also meant to be used as a way to teach. In it, you have the psalmist spending a lot of time just meditating on God's Word, what God's Word is, what it provides. And also, sprinkled throughout that, you have sections where he'll take time and make a request of God, usually for deliverance from some trouble that he finds himself in. In our section of the psalm tonight, we find ourselves in one of those prayers for help. So let's look to the passage. Consider my affliction and deliver me, for I do not forget your law. Plead my cause and redeem me. Revive me according to your word. Salvation is far from the wicked, for they do not seek your statutes. Great are your tender mercies, O Lord. Revive me according to your judgments. Many are my persecutions and my enemies, yet I do not turn from your testimonies. I see the treacherous and am disgusted because they have not kept your word. Consider how I love your precepts. Revive me, O Lord, according to your lovingkindness. The entirety of your word is truth. And every one of your righteous judgments endures forever. Let's pray. Father, as we look briefly at this portion of the psalm this evening, we are thankful that your word is a foundation that we can build upon. Thankful that though the world may rage around us, though it seems like there's chaos everywhere we look, your word does not change. It is the eternal truth that you have given us. Pray that as we look at it even this evening, that you would guide our minds, guide our thoughts, to see that the truth that you would have us to learn. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. As we consider the psalmist's petition to God this evening, we're just going to briefly go over it, look over a summary. And we're going to see how the psalmist is crying to God based not on his own merit but on who God is. And that's really the crux of his argument that we'll see of his petitioning of God. Is that the psalmist knows he doesn't deserve to make this request because of who he is. But he can make this request because of who God is. As he begins... He uses the word consider. Consider my affliction and deliver me, he prays. Now, he uses consider for a very specific reason. This request that he has is not an urgent request. It's not something that needs to be taken care of right at the moment. He's being patient, asking God to consider his affliction to look upon him, not to leave him alone, stranded all by himself with no help. But consider, think about the psalmist and his affliction, which later on we will see is being caused by people who are persecuting him. And he prays for deliverance This concept of deliverance is used several times throughout the psalm. It's actually used five different times in three different ways. He prays for deliverance once, redemption once, and to be revived three times. Specifically, I want to think about that word revive, because that clues us into what kind of affliction the psalmist is going through. When he says revive, he literally means, keep me alive, preserve me. This is not a light dilemma that the psalmist finds himself facing. He is facing a serious threat, and he needs a serious solution. So, rather than look to his own means, whatever those may be, he goes to God and prays for deliverance. Why? The end of verse 53 says, For I do not forget your law. The psalmist reminds God that he has been faithful to him. I have not forgotten your law. He has kept the commandments that God has given. Plead my cause, he says in verse 54, and redeem me. The idea of redeeming is buying back. It's taking him out of his current situation and putting him into one that is more favorable. Revive me according to your word. There's that word revive for the first time. And it's according to God's word. Notice that. It's according to God's word. Here is the first statement of the psalmist's dependence on God. Specifically, God's Word, which, as we look through this passage, we will notice is mentioned in almost every line of the psalm. In our Bibles, it's kind of hard to see because some of the ways they format it, they have to squish things down. But if you were to write this out the way most poems are written, you'd see that more than every other line has a reference specifically to God's Word. Or to his commands. The psalmist continues in verse 55, and he sets up a contrast between the wicked, the ones causing the affliction, and himself. He says, Salvation is far from the wicked, for they do not seek your statutes. The wicked are not able to be saved because they have no regard for God. The very thing that could save them, the very thing that would bring them salvation, is the very thing that they have rejected. In rejecting the words of God, they have rejected God himself. They have told God that they couldn't be bothered with what he wants. What they want is more important. but the psalmist then considers himself after looking at God and who he is. He says in verse 56, Great are your tender mercies, O Lord. Again, he's reminding God that he's not asking to be delivered because of what he has done, but because of who God is. Because of his mercy. Because of his love. Revive me according to your judgments Notice the psalmist can be revived can be kept alive preserved because of God's judgments If God were to look at the psalmist's life and to judge him based on his commands He would find that the psalmist had been faithful to follow his commands as opposed to the wicked who utterly disregard them." He continues in verse 57, expounding upon what that affliction is. Many are my persecutors and my enemies. The psalmist here is not just dealing with one person that is opposed to him, one person that does not necessarily care for him for whatever reason it may be, But rather, he has many persecutors and many enemies. And we don't know exactly how he has acquired these enemies, why they are opposed to him. However, his pleading may indicate the reason. He continues in that verse and says, Yet I do not turn from your testimonies. It seems that the psalmist is telling God, I could stop following you. I could disregard your law just like wicked men. And if I did that, the persecution would end. But the psalmist is not willing to do that. The psalmist realizes that God's word and obeying him is more valuable than than his own personal comfort, even than his own life as we see that his situation is serious. In verse 58, he says, He sees the treacherous and is disgusted because they do not keep your word. Again, he's describing his persecutors, his enemies. They are treacherous. They are people who are willing to get what they want regardless of the cost. And he is disgusted with them, because these are people who do not keep God's word. Notice that the psalmist is opposed to them, not just because of what they do to him, but because of what they do to God. In this verse, the psalmist is not taking their actions personally. He's not complaining to God, these people are making it difficult for me. He's saying these people are opposed to you. He's calling God to act, not because the psalmist deserves it, but because, but because God's holiness demands it. And then he turns once again to contrast himself And to consider his own life again in verse 59 he calls God to consider however this time he's not calling God to consider his affliction he's calling God to consider how I love your precepts the psalmist loves God's Word and because of that he calls God to look at that love. Consider how I love your word. I am not like these people that deserve your judgment. Not like these people that deserve your wrath. That are asking for it. Through their actions. But rather, I love your precepts. Specifically, he loved the precepts. Because he loved God himself. It wasn't just that the scriptures were were a book that he really just enjoyed reading. He sat down and it was fun to read through. That's not why he loved God's precepts. He loved them because he loved God. He continues with his last revive me request. Revive me, O Lord, according to your loving kindness. Once again, the psalmist is appealing to God and his character. who he is. Even after saying that he is not like the wicked, even after saying that he loves God's precepts, he does not say, revive me because I'm a good person. He says, revive me because of your loving kindness. It's that idea of mercy, of giving something that isn't deserved. Bestowing a gift the way a father would, the way he would tenderly treat a young child. That's how the psalmist asks God to deal with him lovingly, kindly. And finally, we see in verse 160 that the psalmist has a basis for his argument, for his request. He says, the entirety Of your word is truth, and every one of your righteous judgments endures forever. This is not just a statement of fact, but rather, this is the psalmist's basis for why he can ask this of God. You see, if God's word wasn't truth, if God's righteous judgments did not endure forever, then it wouldn't matter in the end whether or not the psalmist followed those words that he knew were from God. He wouldn't be able to say, I love your precepts and I'm not like these evil people because ultimately, if God's word is not true, if the judgments don't endure forever, if they can change with time, if they can be overridden By another judgment, then the psalmist has no basis at all to plead to God. He has no reason to keep those testimonies. He might as well just join the wicked and the treacherous. So, this little nugget of truth right here the entirety of your word is truth is one that the psalmist Embraces, And even as the psalmist embraces this truth, it is one that we must embrace as well. As Christians, as finite human beings, the only way that we can know God, know who he is, know what he has done, know what he has provided for us, is what he has revealed in scripture. We have no revelation aside from that. So we cannot abandon the truth that he has given us. As we look out at the world around us, whether it be in the schools, at work, in government, and we see all of these things taking place that are directly in defiance to what God has commanded, we cannot Simply go with the flow. We cannot blend in because God's word is truth. God has called us to live for that truth and to obey that truth. So I would ask you tonight what are your afflictions? The psalmist had afflictions, he had persecution. What are your afflictions this evening? Is there someone perhaps at work that knows that you believe God, that you follow Him and obey His Word, and because of that has tried to make it very difficult for you to be a Christian in your work environment? Is it a friend, a neighbor, even a family member who does not know Christ, who is trying to get you To turn away from God's truth. Whatever that affliction. May be. We have someone. Who can help us. Someone we can go to. In times of need. In times of trouble. Because the God that the psalmist prayed to. Is the same God that you and I pray to. We are his children. He has redeemed us. Because of that as a child of God, you can go to Him any time. And you can pray to God and say, I'm not coming because of what I've done, because I'm a good person, because I read my Bible every morning. I come to you because you loved me enough that you, in your mercy, sent Christ. You have redeemed me, not by what I've done, But by what you've done. You have made me your child. The mercy of God that saved us is the same mercy that keeps us. They're not two different mercies. It's not the mercy of the cross, and then if God chooses, He might show us mercy after that, but it's really up to Him. No, the mercies of God are displayed in our lives every single day. Even simply enough through his word. Through giving us specific passages of scripture that we can go to to be refreshed. Even as the psalmist said, he had not forgotten God's law. He could call it to mind, he remembered it. So this evening as we go to prayer, as so we get ready to go before our Father and we bring our afflictions, whether they be from people or just from the circumstances of living in a broken world, we can remember that God is merciful and that he hears and he answers.